0: How does it make you feel, being, well, more than other men? Writing wrongs that the law wouldn't or couldn't touch. You mean a super crime fighter? Yes. Welcome to Now Playing's Movie Retrospective of The Avengers. Some assembly required. There had better be good reason for this. In a few moments, you can decide for yourself if the reason is good enough. Part of our Marvel Comics Movie Retrospective. These are not the affairs of mortal men. Looking back at the early film adaptations of The Avengers. It's bad medicine. And nobody said the medicine's going to taste
1: any good. But can we afford not to take it? I don't think so.
0: Nick Fury. Score one
1: for the free
0: world. Captain America. Hey, you need me, you got me. You know that. And Doctor Strange. I don't think I'm ready for
1: that. I think you are.
0: Hosted by Arnie Working alongside a legend such as yourself really promises to be quite a thrill Jacob Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers And Stuart He was a greater man than most people realized. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language But well, it is my best medical opinion that you will experience only beneficial results Listener discretion is advised All right Let's go kick some hydro but...
2: Today, we're discussing Captain America! Again! Starring Matt Salinger, Ronnie Cox, Scott Paulin, Ned Beatty, and directed by Albert Pune. I'm Arnie, your super co-host of Now Playing.
3: Stewart in L.A.? Come to me, my brothers. Let us podcast. This is Jacob. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be Italian, Russian, German, but I'm not sure the actors knew either, so... (laughs) Okay there.
2: Today, we help you with your English as we review Captain America. And this is our third Captain America film. This one, once again, it seems like Marvel, more than any other property I can think of, has so many, well, we wanted it to be in theaters, types of movies.
1: Yeah, this would be number three in line, right? Howard the Duck, clearly a major, major release and a major flop. Punisher was received by most of the world, and this was the third one to grace some theaters. This was filmed like
2: simultaneously with Punisher. Dolph Lundgren was under strong consideration to be Captain America. of course yes that makes sense (laughs) he was busy filming the punisher when this was going to be filmed so this almost ties for second but this one went through a lot of reshoots a lot of test screenings strangely it was released in the ussr in theaters before americans finally said "Ah, captain america direct to vhs
1: Oh, sure. I'm sure the Russians (laughs) love laughing at us. Why wouldn't they?
3: It just works as anti-capitalist propaganda, doesn't it? That actually doesn't surprise me. You know, with the latest Captain America, the first Avenger, they were originally going to drop the Captain America when they released it worldwide. They were just going to call it the first Avenger, thinking, oh, you know, other countries and how they feel with America. It's not good marketing. And all the other countries are like, what are you talking about? We love Captain America. We want a Captain America movie. So it doesn't surprise me just as a pop culture icon. It's something that's known in other countries and that they wanted.
2: We talked about with The Punisher and some of these others about the studios that made them. This one was one I hadn't heard of until I started doing some research. Stuart, you're the biggest film business guy. Are you familiar with the 21st Century Film Corporation?
1: I wasn't, but I did do a little research myself, and it made a lot more sense when I saw that it was an offshoot of Canon Films, which is sort of the famous 80s studio. They produced all the missing in action movies, Delta Force, anything with Chuck Norris at that time, Cobra, the Stallone movie. A lot of trashy movies came out of the Canon studio, and when the guy got fired for screwing up Superman Four, well, this was the company that was handed to him as a parting gift. He got a gift for
3: screwing up that movie? (laughs) Happens too often. Severance. I guess we'll get around to that at some point, but man, I'm surprised anyone got rewarded for that.
2: Well, what happened with Superman 4 is, like you said, Stuart Cannon had been making these grungy action films, but they really wanted to go big time. And Superman 4 was going to be their way of doing it. They had budgeted $40 million for Superman 4. That's Howard the Duck money. Yes. And they were really setting themselves up to be a major player, but financing fell through. At the end, they had to shoot Superman 4 for about 11 million, which explains (laughs) a lot about Superman 4 when we get there. (laughs) And their other big strive for success to be a major event movie player was Masters of the Universe about the same time. And they had bought up a lot of these options to these big names. And so when the split happened, Canon had the rights to Captain America. They were planning a Captain America movie. They were also planning a Spider-Man movie, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about this podcast. And they really wanted this to happen, but the failure of those two, the two Israelis who ran it split, one made 21st Century Film Corporation, and it was Albert Pune who said, you know, I really want to do Captain America, why don't you hold on to this and we will make this a huge 21st century film and make 21st century film the studio we thought canon could be.
1: Now, Albert Pune, either of you familiar with him? I recognize him as the guy with the great B-movie posters. He has a lot of credits to his name, and when you look at the poster, you think you want to see that movie. I remember seeing the poster for Swords and Sorcerer and being like, oh, that's going to be better than Conan. Mm. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) Cyborg. Anyone remember Jean-Claude Van Damme? Better
2: than the poster is the trailer for Cyborg. I love that trailer. And then I saw that movie.
1: Yeah, they're universally crap and I've never made it through a single one of them, but I've seen bits of a lot of them. Well,
2: here's the interesting thing about Cyborg. Cyborg was filmed on sets developed for the Spider-Man film. They had actually built sets for Spider-Man and then Spider-Man fell through and they're like, well, we have these sets, make a movie with them. Albert Pune did that. Albert Pune was also discussed. You think Superman 4 was bad. One of the ways that Albert Pune became in contact in order to pitch Captain America the idea was he was brought on as a director for Superman 5, which was going to be made using 45 minutes of cut footage from Superman 4. (laughs) <laughs> With some additional scenes filled in.
1: <laughs> Why not just, like, take a flag at Christopher Reeve's hand and call it Captain America? That's that's horrible. Hey, hey it's like Pumpkinhead 2, right? Yes. It's not the
2: first time this has been done. It's thrifty. It's Corman logic. That is Albert Pune's way he got here. And he was very excited to do Captain America. He'd grown up reading Captain America. And he'd been kind of kicked around a little bit. After Cyborg and a film I'd not heard of or seen, Alien from L.A., which he did before Cyborg, for being told his movies were too cerebral, too artistic, and he needed—that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> the punchline. Yes.
3: Too artistic, just like these beautiful movie posters that Stewart was talking about. That, yes, too artistic.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely, Doll Man, the art movie.
2: So he wanted to make a straightforward action flick, and so Captain America.
1: Of course. He was removed from
2: the film before it was finished. Oh, no. He was asked to leave and, again, reward for a job poorly done. He was given his footage as he left. I don't quite understand how that works, but he has released a director's cut of this. This movie, which was only crapped onto VHS in 1991, has now had, last year, not one, but two DVD releases, plus a Blu-ray release.
3: And Arnie's here to review all of those for you.
2: <laughs> Thanks to Chris Evans' Captain America, The First Avenger. I think they saw a way to capitalize. They released those two TV movies. They also, MGM, released this. It's what they call their manufacturer-on-demand service, which translates to they don't think anyone's going to buy it but if you pay them at the time you pay them they will literally just put in a dvdr and burn it to a disc like a home movie
3: (laughs) i can see just a lonely man sitting there with a pile of discs and like the red light goes off so unordered when i get to burn one yeah (laughs) a very lonely job who's ever printing these on demand
2: well probably even lonelier is albert (laughs) Pune, who released the director's cut But it wasn't even an online store. I was able to order the MGM cut from Amazon. You know, that was a little bit reputable. Albert Pugh, you had to go to his website and send an email saying, I'd like information. It was like a secret society. It was like an underground transaction. (laughs) And when you put in his copy, it's funny. Both of these movies start with a disclaimer. The MGM official one says, this movie was made from the best available source material which I firmly means we went to San Diego Comic-Con and bought a bootleg and are now selling it to you. (laughs) Because the quality is bad. It's not even in a widescreen ratio. It's four to three. It's the VHS version on a DVD. It looks like a very well-maintained VHS copy.
3: I have a well-maintained VHS copy of this movie, oddly enough. (laughs) You've seen this before? I have a friend who has a goal to own every movie based on a comic book property and so he owned this on vhs and when he upgraded to dvd he gave me the vhs tape so yes i own this movie i've actually
2: seen this before too i got a bootleg of it in 1990 from a friend at a star trek convention and so i got to see it long before most people in the states lucky you i feel so honored
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i was at dick tracy and batman i didn't care (laughs) about this i was aware of it but did not have any burning desire to find this lost captain america movie
2: well, the Albert Pune one I put it in, and it is much better in that it's a widescreen ratio. I think he basically matted the VHS print. Mm-hmm. But it starts with a disclaimer this was assembled from the footage they gave me when they removed me from the film. <laughs> <laughs> Bitter. So I will be here to detail both cuts of this film. Which ones did you guys watch? I watched my VHS copy, which is the wherever country it was released in theatrical cut. Technically no, because the USA nineteen ninety-two cut is slightly more action-packed than the Russia theatrical cut.
3: Oh wow. I'm sorry, Russia. (laughs) I'm sorry. I got the more action-packed one. (laughs) Oh, this is scary. Too cerebral for me.
1: (laughs) I I saw whatever you gave me, Arnie. I have no idea. but I think it was this quote-unquote theatrical. Apparently, there's
2: an even longer director's cut roaming around out there because the VHS cut was 97 minutes. The director's cut I saw was about 107 minutes. Rumor has it that somewhere out there that it did see theatrical release in the States. Albert Pune did a little bit of a tour of theater engagement showing his director's cut print. It doesn't appear to be the same print that he's selling on the Blu-ray, though, as reports say that's a 124-minute cut.
1: Ooh.
2: Another version
1: you'll have to own someday, Arnie. Why don't you give people a break and tell them whatever version, give them a plot summary that encompasses it all. Encompasses it all is right. This is a plot summary that's going to
2: span 60 years. In Italy, in 1936, under the direction of Mussolini, Italian scientists are researching a procedure that can increase mental and physical abilities with the goal of creating a super soldier for Hitler's Nazi army. And when the film opens, Italian soldiers are storming the house of a young boy, a piano prodigy that's been determined to have extraordinary natural intelligence. They slaughter the boy's family and subject him to the experiment, making him even more intelligent and super strong, but making his skin raw and red, earning the boy the nickname, the Red Skull but the scientist in charge of the experiment, Dr. Marie Vaselli, objects to the experimentation on the boy and flees to America, where, seven years later, she has perfected the formula so it does not turn the patient red and raw. She now serves the U.S. government, trying to develop super soldiers called Project Rebirth to fight Hitler's Nazis, and the first subject is Steve Rogers, a man disabled from polio. The formula makes him super strong and super fast, but right after the experiment, an undercover Nazi, snuck in by the traitorous Captain Fleming, kills Dr. vaselli and as vaselli kept no notes for security reasons, her only success will be Steve Rogers, who she also left a flame retardant suit and a special aerodynamic disc shield that functions like a boomerang. But the Red Skull is planning to send a missile to blow up the White House, so Captain America is sent in to stop it. A fight ensues, and the Red Skull loses his hand, but Captain America loses the fight, and the Red Skull straps Captain America to the missile. In flight, Cap is able to divert the missile, sending it to Alaska, where it crashes in a block of ice, and Cap remains frozen for 50 years until present day, or 1990. And in the meantime, after the fall of Nazi Germany, the Red Skull remained in Italy and had extensive plastic surgery to make his skin more normal looking and remains an underground figure responsible for the assassinations of John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and many more. And now he's being asked by Fleming, now a general, to kill our current president, Tom Kimball, played by Beverly Hills cop and Robocop's Ronnie Cox. Kimball wants to pass sweeping anti-pollution laws that will cut corporate profits, but rather than another expensive assassination, the Red Skull suggests they use a brain implant to control the president instead. But meanwhile, in Alaska, a group of explorers finds Captain America's body frozen in a block of ice. They take him back to their camp and send pictures to the states, but Captain America breaks out and heads out into the snow, walking to Canada. President Kimball, as a boy, saw Captain America divert the missile, so he sends his lifelong friend Sam, who he knows from Deliverance, played by Superman's Ned Beatty, to retrieve the super soldier, but Cap thinks Sam's a Nazi, playing a trick on him, so he steals Sam's car and heads back home to California and his girlfriend Bernie, only to find Bernie as a senior citizen. The Red Skull feels threatened by the sudden return of Cap, so he tasks his daughter Valentina DeSantis with killing the super soldier. Sam tracks Cap to Bernie's house, and Valentina has bugged Sam's phone. Valentina and her people attack the house and kill Sam and Bernie and injure Bernie's husband. Thus, Cap is called to action to find where the Red Skull is hiding. And the Red Skull is currently living under his real name, but no one knows it. So Cap, aided by Bernie's daughter Sharon, travels first to where Project Rebirth was housed and then to a lab in Italy that made the Red Skull, hunting to find the Red Skull's true name, all the while dodging ambushes from Valentina and her people. Meanwhile, the Red Skull has kidnapped President Kimball in an environmental summit in Rome and plans to put in the implant, but before the implant is put in, Captain America finds the Red Skull's castle, led there by recovering Valentina's purse, which she dropped during one of the fights. Sharon is captured, but Cap rescues the President, and side by side, Kimball and Cap take the castle, leading to a showdown with Cap and the Red Skull, where the Red Skull threatens to unleash a warhead killing 70 million people but Cap plays a tape recording of the Red Skull as a child playing the piano right as he was captured, and the Red Skull is flooded with memories, allowing Cap to throw his shield and knock the Red Skull off a cliff. And the president is returned safely to the summit where he signs the Job Killing Environmental Treaty as credits roll. So I have a lot of questions for you guys as we go through, because a lot of this plot summary, I didn't understand quite what was going on, truthfully, in the VHS cut. A lot of things seemed unclear to me that the director's cut kind of fleshed out. It added most of its time in the middle and explained some things, and I'm curious if you guys caught on to what this movie was trying to tell us.
1: Too cerebral. Couldn't do it. No, I felt like everything you explained I got, but I will say there are jumps that are made that feel disorientating.
2: Well, what's funny to me is you say there are things that feel disjointed. I felt disjointed when this movie started because the director's cut starts with the end, And this whole movie is told in flashback. The movie begins with Cap and Skull facing off and then... At the piano? Yes. Just before the piano fight when the Red Skull is like, Welcome back, my brother! And then all of a sudden we're in 1936 Italy.
3: I hate when movies are told in flashback. Unless it's Fight
2: Club. There's a few exceptions, (laughs) but I hate flashback movies. I'm glad they didn't do that. I just found it funny because a lot of the lengthening of this is literally by showing us the same scenes twice. And this is one of the cases. And so a lot of times during this director's cut, it really felt like one of those really lame fan edits of Star Wars where they just take whatever footage they have because they can't film anything new because they have no money and they're just editing it again and again. And so I got to see this end fight twice. I got to see Red Skull captured in Italy twice. They flash back to it. And then at the end fight, they flash back to it again. Just in case you forgot about it.
1: Yes. Or was asleep during that part, which could happen.
2: But, Jacob, I want to start by asking you, from what I know, this is a hell of a lot more comic accurate for Captain America than the TV movies we saw.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It takes more from the comics. You know, it has Cap being frozen for, here, it's, what, 60 years. Where in the comic, it was 20 years from the 40s to the 60s. Here, they modernized it, brought it up to the 90s. Red Skull, well... He has a red head, so that's similar, I guess. There's characters with the same names. They play some of the same plot points, like Cap going to see his old girlfriend and seeing how she's aged and she's old and he's young. So, yeah, this does take a lot more from the comics than those red-brown ones did with super-duper hippie Captain America.
1: Don't mock the mellow set of wheels. I was missing them.
3: I could go for a shagging wagon here. He could have used that van in one or two points. He definitely
1: could have used that van here.
2: Or even the motorcycle. At one point, he just gets caught with a bicycle in this film.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was extremely lame. (laughs) What about the
2: villain here, the Red Skull? I think they're really trying to go for that movie feel by bringing in the comic book villain here. But honestly, I've not read a lot of Captain America and... Is the Red Skull Italian?
3: No, he is German. The Red Skull, whose mother died while giving birth to him, which caused his father to hate him and try to murder him as a baby. Then he was taken in as an orphan by a kindly Jewish man, and he falls in love with his daughter who won't put out, so he murders her as a teenager. And then he becomes a bellhop for Hitler and becomes friends with Hitler and dons a red skull mask to become the embodiment of Nazi intimidation. So no, not Italian.
1: So it's, it's not disfigurement. It's a mask.
3: Eventually, years and years later, after he had possessed the clone body of Captain America and all kinds of crazy comic book stuff, he was infected by some death dust which disfigured his face to make it look like the mask but for years it was just literally a red mask that he wore
2: so he wore a red mask and then just ironically got disfigured to look exactly like the red mask he wore that's like the old parents thing if you make that face too long you're gonna stay that way kind of joke it's comic books arnie so what we see here when we start in italy in 36 then i mean from what you're telling me The Red Skull isn't even a super soldier. He's not the doppelganger for Captain America.
3: Like Captain America was this propaganda symbol of America. And that's what the Red Skull was for the Nazis. He was the cheerleader, the super cheerleader for the Nazis to look scary and intimidating. And he was a military genius when it came to strategy and and those kind of things. And, you know, eventually he took over Hydra. We talked about Hydra when we did that Nick Fury film. He took over Hydra when Von Strucker was supposedly dead or frozen if you go by that movie. But did he get it from this fake super serum? Not like this in the movie where they're, you know, making super scary devil rats and decided to inject it with kids.
1: No, it's not an injection, right? It's more like you put on goggles and there's a strobe light and I'm not clear what happens, but it doesn't sound like it's steroids this time.
3: I don't know what they do. It's not quite an injection. They electrocute you and put you in a lot of pain and I'm not quite sure what they're doing here.
2: My guess is radiation is somehow involved. It usually is.
3: <laughs> Always good for superheroes. If you want to be strong and smart and have superpowers, drink some plutonium. Always healthy.
1: Well, you know, I don't know much about comics, but I could have told you Red Skull was Captain America's villain. I, what surprised me here was that he came first. Is that accurate? I would have thought Captain America would have come first, and this was the Nazis trying to make a Captain America and ending up with a disfigured, not-as-good, skull thing. Was Captain America the response to the Nazis' Red Skull or vice versa?
3: Captain America is just the response to the Nazis. So the Red Skull already existed because the Nazis already existed. Ah, okay. But the Red Skull has no superpowers in the comics. When the Red Skull first appeared, no, he wasn't, you know, an evil version of Captain America.
1: Now, there's only one doctor... That knows what they're doing. This woman <laughs> is the one that came out with it. And she's divulged her secrets to no one. She kept a diary that plays out later. But essentially, the Project Rebirth, which I love that. It sounds like a reality show, doesn't it? Project <laughs> Rebirth, like Joan Rivers would host it. Or something, <laughs> someone with the most plastic surgery. I don't know. But this woman feels guilty about what happened with this little Italian boy that became Red Skull. So she's going to do it again?
3: Yeah, she's, like, cool with making this experiment that's going to make really strong Italian fascists. It's just when they get kids involved that she feels bad about it.
1: Right. Her anguish does not seem to be about the fact that she's aiding the Third Reich. Her anguish seems to be that it's a child that gets mutated. The lab rats were the
3: success story. (laughs) Yeah, they show
1: newsreel footage of mice and then, like, look, we can
3: make this. uh-huh yes all red hairless rats with like human muscle definition yes that's always a great success story sign me up I, we, the
1: world definitely need more rats and stronger and uglier i think that's a great idea success well i think part of this is the fact that we're in italy and in the <laughs>
2: director's cut version there is a much longer prologue script that says, by 1935, Italy and Germany had secretly begun to ally themselves for the coming world war and that the Italians were pressured by Hitler to contribute to Nazi war technology. And so Mussolini plundered pre-war Italian scientific community and learned of advanced genetic engineering research based on the work of 19th century scientist Amido Avogandro. Now, I should have wiki'd. I don't know if Amito Avogandro is a real person. But from this extended
1: caption,
2: I get the impression perhaps she was already working on this and the Nazis came and said, you will use it on people. You will make Nazi soldiers for
1: us. Okay, so there's some precedence for this character and certainly there were a lot of scientists that fleed Europe and came to America and worked for the other side. It just feels weird that I don't know how she ran away to America. She jumped out a window.
3: Yes, literally. (laughs) And swam. Yes, she swam. And not to New York, but all the way to L.A., which is really long. She
1: took the long route. Yeah, it's impressive. It doesn't matter, I suppose. It just feels awkward. I guess that's what I would say. It's an awkward origin story in that we're basically mimicking Third Reich Nazi procedures on children to create a hero. I think that's a little backwards, but... Be that as it may.
3: Well, come on. I mean, it's not like that's not based on what actually happened with the atom bomb and all that stuff. I mean, we were always trying to steal There's
1: Well, the bomb is one thing, but yeah, some of the eugenics that they performed, the biological, let me put it this way. It's a weird way to start out selling the patriotism. I thought Captain America came from, you know, America, like a, a positive heartland kid pulls him up by a bootstrap story, but To find out that he basically is the number two of an experiment started by Nazis is, well, it doesn't feel very American to me. But let's face it, I feel like we spend a lot of time in Europe and Italy and all of this, partly because the producer is Israeli-based, and it's a lot easier to shoot in Italy than it is for him to come to L.A. These L.A. things, I'm not even sure that this really is L.A. Here, The whole thing was filmed in Yugoslavia. I had a feeling. There's some stock footage of Venice Beach again, but for the most part, I'm like, this doesn't really look like any L.A. that I know. I
2: think, honestly, from watching it, there might be one scene that they just filmed. They were in L.A. They took a camera out and got a woman in a thong. Yeah. But other
3: than that one shot, Yugoslavia. Okay. Here's my thing. Coming from the comics, especially the Marvel Universe is so New York based. I mean, everything takes place in New York. Spider-Man, Avengers, all that stuff. Captain America from New York, and now we throw him back in L.A.? Was this a nod to Red Brown? Why are they back in L.A.? Are there no places in Yugoslavia that look like New York? L.A. just seems like a weird choice to place a Captain America story.
1: This is the third time, too. Yeah. He's not from there, right? He's a New Yorker. Yes. Okay, that's how I would think of him. That said, I'm going to say something that I think might be slightly controversial. I think they're working with the budget that they have pretty well. I accept this as being on par with Wonder Woman's World War II era. You know what I mean? Like, it's cheap, but it's credible. You buy it. You go along with it in a Genji B movie sort of way. Or at least I did.
2: My problem is, you said Wonder Woman. That was 14 years before this. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, much like Fantastic Four, which in 94 looked like a great 1978 TV movie pilot. This is 15 years behind the curve of where we were with special effects.
2: I'm sorry. I think Fantastic Four looks miles better than this i think the punisher even just looked
1: better lit better shot better staged well i'm not talking about the directorial choices i'm talking about art direction i'm talking about production design it's like the 40s light here and i'm sort of going along with it it makes me think of a cheesy tv show you know like yeah wonder woman or the flash or something it's something that you would expect to see done on syndicated television
2: Yeah, you know what? Thinking about syndicated television, putting myself in, like, War of the Worlds around this time, or... Freddy's Nightmares. Superboy. Yeah, I could see that. And they did a pretty decent job with the period piece. They had the hairstyles right. They had the clothing right. I, at no point felt there was anything anachronistic about these scenes in the 30s and 40s and you know what it took me back to especially the opening scene of the red skull being captured and his parents being slaughtered by nazis i was thinking back to x-men x-men which one The first one, or first class, with Magneto's parents slaughtered by Nazis, and he becomes the villain. Mm, Funny
1: I didn't think of the X-Men once watching this.
3: I'll give it this. I'm glad they started with the World War II stuff. I like the World War II era Captain America. He's got a slightly, at least in the comics, he's got a slightly different look. Looks more of that period. They make him look a little bit more military than your standard superhero. I like that story. Again, I like when Nazis get punched in the face. So, I like World War II era Captain America. So, I'm going as far as I can go with this film at this point. Yeah. Like, at least I like this World War II stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, someone makes the comment, he may not be Superman, but he's a living symbol for what this country stands for. And I'm like, yeah, he isn't Superman Christopher Reeve, but he might be Superman for Quest for Peace. So I'm going with it for that. I'm like, all right, this is a dingy <laughs> superhero thing. They're trying to do Superman. They're not there, but it's watchable. I guess that, that's the kindest thing I can say about these early scenes. I'm watching it and I'm not hating it. And let's talk about who he
2: is. Matt Salinger. You know, every time we talk about this movie on Facebook or the forums, it seems there's one universal response. The one with J.D. Salinger's kid? Yes. Like, Is that supposed to be a big punchline that the author of Catcher in the Rye had an offspring who did a crappy movie? Because I failed to see the humor in that.
1: Well, you know, Catcher in the Rye is such a seminal coming of age story. And Holden Caulfield, yeah, he has all those poetic passages about wanting to be this, for lack of a better word, superhero that catches these wayward children. Well, now we actually see that come to fruition. Dad should be proud. This guy can catch him in the rye or anywhere. He's (laughs) Captain America. It's a strange connection, and obviously nepotism had to be the reason why he would get this gig. I don't think this guy has an ounce of charisma to play this part. He's neither convincing as the polio-afflicted weakling or the muscle-bound superhero. I think he's trying to find the balance. I think he's trying to do Christopher Reeve, and he's kind of dorky. He's kind of Clark Kent-ish for a lot of it because he's out of his element, and he's just kind of square.
3: I'm just going to put it out there. I wish Red Brown was back. After seeing this performance, like for some of the hokey lines that Matt Salinger has to pull off as Captain America, holy mackerel, like everything is just so flat. And you talk about he's doing Clark Kent, Christopher Reeve. You never see that charismatic side, though, when he's Superman, where he's exciting and not monotone, like it's an awful performance. I don't know, guys. I was honestly getting a bit of a Bruce Campbell
2: vibe off of him in his weird kind of gravelly nasal voice and he has a big chin and not the world's greatest thespian
3: doesn't bruce campbell do that intentionally
1: yeah there's no tongue-in-cheek here arnie the difference is bruce campbell mocks his own appearance as a square-jawed kind of classic good-looking guy he's like the goof on that this guy doesn't know what he's doing i mean he's trying to imitate that without irony and You know, he's trying to do it in the suit. Is that a cummerbund that's going around him? That's the Stars and Stripes? (laughs) It literally looks like they put him in scuba diving gear and gave him a red and white cummerbund and said, all right, go. (laughs)
2: At least they call out in the movie, this outfit's a little bit ridiculous. Does the person who designed it know nothing about camouflage?
1: Yeah, the Italian doctor that died, we're going to honor her wishes for honoring the red, white, and blue. It's totally absurd.
3: Oh, come on. It was a fireproof suit. Mm -hmm. I I guess they could not make those then. Of course, the budget couldn't afford
2: flame where it ever afforded him any protection
1: from. (laughs) That's very true.
3: (laughs) He never does get set on fire, does he?
1: Yeah, it would make more sense from a cheerleading standpoint. If this had come out of a committee where they're like, what's the most patriotic looking symbol we can think of? That I can understand. There's no practicality to someone wearing this when they jump out of a plane and then go to stop a missile. And that is,
2: sadly, Captain America's only adventure here, you know? That's the thing I like about the comics, is he fought Nazis for a while in World War II. Here, in his very first mission, he loses.
3: This is the worst superhero ever. He <laughs> loses repeatedly. It's pretty awful. Like, if this is what you think about America, we could dress real nice, but we suck at war, we suck at winning. I guess you got that message out there loud and clear. <laughs> it's post-NOM era.
1: Well, it's painful. It's like only Captain America can come in and stop this missile, and the truth of the matter is we won World War II just fine without him. He spends most of it in the tundra of Alaska, and we're none the worse for it. I mean, he doesn't do anything. He truly is just a clownish mascot. I think Red Skull accurately describes him as a clownish icon that no one cares about anymore. I was like, yeah. That's the challenge they're facing here, is that this character is not badass. He never got to do anything. Well, I guess it's arguable. He saves the White House from being hit by a missile. <laughs>
3: by kicking the fin? <laughs>
1: wow. Those were some terrible
3: special effects, might I just say. That's going to become a theme throughout this film. Come on. Yeah. There's not that many special effects in this film, though. They already had the rat. <laughs> They state that this Project Rebirth, this super soldier serum, it's supposed to make you twice as smart. How dumb was Steve Rogers before he took this?
2: (laughs) I thought the same thing. It's like the Red Skull didn't get the physical attributes and Captain America didn't get the mental
3: ones. Oh, I got to question Red Skull too because he ties Captain America to this missile and then Captain America grabs his arm. I'm going to take you with you. And the Red Skull has a knife. (laughs) Like, he could stab Captain America. He could cut off Captain America's hand. But no, he cuts off his own hand? Yeah, Twice as smart. He's going
1: to die anyway. He's standing at the base of a missile (laughs) that's launching in three seconds. I mean, come on. If there's anything left of your red skull, it's going to be burned away. But it's a ridiculous moment. They've strapped Captain to a missile that's heading to the Casabianca White House. I'm like, is he Spanish now? What the hell is (laughs) this? Italian and
2: Spanish are both romance languages. They are fairly similar in diction. Okay,
1: well, so it's heading to (laughs) Casabianca, and at the last minute, literally right before it impacts the White House, he
2: does what? He kicks it? He bends the rudder, changing
3: its angle.
1: So it doesn't hit the White House and flies all the way
3: across the country to Alaska. They put a lot of extra jet fuel in that missile. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The way I took it was he wasn't willing to save the White House until he saw there was an innocent little kid there taking pictures. And he's like, oh, I guess I'll save the White House. I don't want this kid to die. (laughs) I took it as he was kicking the whole time and he just
2: got lucky at the last second.
1: Well, they want to establish this situation, which in theory I like, which is that only one little boy knows that Captain America exists And he takes this picture of him and thinks about him all his life and grows up to be president. I kind of like that backstory for Kimball, that this little boy would be a witness to something of a forgotten hero and that it inspires him. And in a way, that's what Captain America does. More than anything else, he becomes that cheerleader that inspires a future president.
3: And at this point, it does become the Tom Kimball story. Like, we get this five-minute montage It's all about Tom Kimball becoming the president. Like, you just can't have him become the president. And, you know, he tells his friend Otis from Superman, you know, ever since I saw that Captain America who secretly saved the White House, I wanted to become like, why did we need this entire backstory for the president?
2: Well, the president's a much bigger character in the director's cut. A lot more is given to his political agendas the scene stays pretty much the same. I don't know. I kind of liked the scene. I really did. I like it for the reason Stuart stated of seeing a kid inspired. I only wish he would have told his parents and been like, you're going to be punished for telling lies like they did in Superman 79.
1: I think the Missile was the wrong choice here. I mean, the idea that he could take with a camera that would have been available to him in 1943, a picture of a streaking missile and getting a close-up of the man strapped to it develop it, never show it to anyone. No one in the entire country has sonar or radar or knows that this missile came at the White House. And he and his friends talk more about who that superhero is attached to it than the fact that, holy shit, a missile almost blew up the White House. (laughs) It's a bad setup. And was that Peter Billingsley? It looked an awful lot like the kid from A Christmas Story, didn't it, his friend? It did. I really
2: thought so, too. But you know who it was? Was Ned Beatty's actual son. Ah, more nepotism. (laughs) Playing a young Ned Beatty. So then we get a wonderful spinning newspaper montage, ever so original. And I almost freaked out because they played period music. That's, of course, whatever's public domain. But I swear to God, I thought they were playing Duran Duran's Girls on film. (laughs) (laughs) They could never
1: afford that.
2: No, they couldn't. And so that's why I was freaking out. But if you listen, it is like one chord off from Girls on Film when they're in the 70s.
1: That is a whole industry here in Hollywood. I do want to spill those beans. There are people who make their entire livelihood at being handed popular material and saying, write a ripoff that's close enough that we won't get sued, but still sounds like the song so we can play it in our commercial. I'm sure that you're probably right. They probably handed them the Duran Duran first album and said... We need this.
3: Now, lest we be accused of politicizing Captain America in any way, we we all agree that Tom Kimball, President Kimball, is heavily influenced by this quick sighting of Captain America. And we get to see he's giving some speech. And, like, isn't this, like, proto-Al Gore, environmentalist Al Gore? Like, he's talking about how we're destroying the Earth, and he's, like, ending this speech. We're all dead. (laughs) We're all dead I'm like What president Can get away with this
1: Well Jimmy Carter Could be a little sour I think that's what Cost him a re-election Was Yeah you can't go out there Like going Yeah we're screwed I mean Jimmy (laughs) Carter was The first president To put solar panels In the White House There's a little Jimmy Carter here There's a little bit Of George Bush here I was trying to figure out What exactly the model For Kimball was But yeah It's a strange mix Of both leftist And rightist I mean he fights In Vietnam Then he goes off and works in the peace corps then he goes and becomes president and pushing yeah a militant environmental message
3: he's like we are gonna have to fire millions of people from their environmentalist destroying jobs like no one's taught him how to talk in the political realm
2: yeah he goes we gotta take our medicine and no one says medicine tastes good well before that Somebody asks him, they say that this is going to be an economic disaster. He goes, not a disaster, an economic catastrophe. We're going to have no steel. We're going to have higher taxes. Millions of people who make plastics and pesticides will be out of work, and we'll have to find them jobs. Prices are going to skyrocket. We're going to have less cars and less buildings. I'm like, you know, I'm living in the Great Recession Screw you!
1: (laughs) Yeah. They said he wins by the narrowest margin. I'm like, did no one else vote? Was it just him at the polling booth? Like, everyone showed up the next day? Because I can't think of one person that would vote for a doomsayer. That's just, that's not right. But to be fair, to go in our time machines and think about when this movie was made... Environmental issues were definitely at the forefront. The Exxon Valdez oil tanker spill in Alaska had really put into the minds environment was important. And Bush Sr. ran on a platform he was actually dubbed early in his presidency the environmental president because he was going to tackle these kinds of issues. And there was a big debate about whether to save forest preserves in Washington State for the endangered owls Or putting a bunch of lumberjacks out of work. These would have been in the headlines at the time when this was being written.
2: But still, it's like Obama is signing things in in these phased approaches. You don't just suddenly go, I'm going to flip a switch on an intentional economic catastrophe.
1: Well, let me put it this way. He's got Britain sitting down at the table with Red Skull talking about how they can take this guy out. I mean, (laughs) like, they're over in Italy with the Nazi being like, okay... I think this needs to be handled. And they're like, well, do we handle it like Martin Luther King and JFK? Uh, It takes time to find an assassin. Why don't we just drug him and put a memory implant and control him? I guess it's a remote control switch they're going to put in his head. I was a little confused.
2: Yeah, it's going to be mind
3: control so
2: that he does what they say.
3: This is like a more cerebral version of the Manchurian Candidate, right? Sure.
2: (laughs) But what I don't get is, Why does General Fleming care? Why does a general care if auto workers are out of work?
1: Well, he tells them something about the military is going to have to clean up its waste. I don't know if he meant that literally. Like, they're (laughs) going to have to, like, bag trash. I don't, uh, latrine cleanings more often. I don't know what it means. But he's mad enough to sit down with a Nazi and talk about assassination and mind controlling him. That's pretty extreme. Fortunately, at the exact same time, Captain America gets thawed out. Was this
2: the same crew from The Thing? I really had a Thing flashback. I did, yes. Is this an intentional homage to The Thing? Because they're speaking, like, some weird Scandinavian language when they dig him out. And I'm like, are they Norwegian? And then they cut out an exact block of ice,
3: just like The Thing. They're Germans. West Germans. What were West Germans doing in Alaska? That's U.S. territory.
1: (laughs) I... Think that in the Europeans who made this movie's mind, <laughs> Alaska is a free place where anyone can set up a tent. However, I want to remind them it is one of our fifty states, and West Germany, even though they're not East Germany, is still not welcome to camp there <laughs> and take their claim
2: and dig up our war heroes.
1: <laughs> I honestly just thought it was a thing reference,
2: especially when he just bursts out and the. German guy actually says we found some thing and keeps referring to it as a thing. I thought maybe Pune was a Carpenter fan because he says it's creepy being in here with this thing. Oh,
1: no, you're right. The similarities, you know, certainly helps with the fact that we saw that movie a couple months ago. But yeah, the similarities are obvious enough to make you wonder. But it's really there to make a joke about the fact that once Captain wakes up, he's shocked to find out that so many things about america are made in japan or germany that you know the first faces he sees are germans and he thinks nazis he runs out of the tent i do think it's funny that once confronted with the fact that he's going to be facing nazis he rather than stands and fights as he has been trained and genetically created to do he runs away to canada (laughs) 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 he's a draft dodger a captain america boy this guy is really disappointing us i think (laughs)
2: It's probably the first people he sees are Germans and the second are Mounties. Yeah. Canada also is set up in this movie like a wilderness where just anyone can wander through.
1: <laughs> Ned Beatty and some Euro trash and helicopters
3: playing their pop music too loud. And what I love is it makes out in the newspapers is this mysterious man pops out of the ice. And that's like it's had time to circulate all over the world. And yet there's like no worldwide search for this mysterious person that popped up it's like yeah we heard about that a few weeks ago but we're not going to really look for this guy
2: there was no twitter there was no social media it was front page headlines though there was no
1: geotagging let me put it this way the president of the united states realizes from the blurry photo on the newspaper that it's identical to the blurry photo of the guy on the missile that he saw as a child and the only person he has The entire world really at his fingertips. And the only person he sends is Ned Beatty in a VW pickup truck. This is who he sends to pick up Captain America in Canada. Why they even think he's in Canada, I don't know. He's in Alaska and Ned Beatty is in Canada when he happens upon him.
2: Canada's a big place. Yeah. (laughs) It just so happens they run across each other. But I do want to take a moment to step aside from the plot and say, I love the cast of Ronnie Cox and Ned Beatty. You know, we talked about J.D. Salinger's kid, but when I saw the opening credits and saw Ned Beatty and Ronnie Cox were in this, I honestly had hope because I like both of these actors. And, yeah, both from Deliverance.
1: I hadn't put, made the Deliverance connection. I was thinking more recent that they wanted to have more of a Superman gloss here. And Ned Beatty, you think of him as that old fish. He's Otis. Well, I don't remember the name. Otis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. New Thor, that guy. <laughs> well, you know, he's playing a different character, but I think they want to remind you that they're trying to make the similar movie. I, I want to say again, it's very clear by this point, they're really, this is the model. Even though this this is coming out at the same time as Batman, what they're trying to make is Superman 1978. That's really the kind of movie, epic, classic, old-fashioned movie they're trying to make.
2: And when you have this kind of good old boy hero, it's the best way to go, really. With Ronnie Cox, I wasn't sure when I saw him in the opening credits, his most recent film in my memory for this was Robocop. So I'm like, is it evil Ronnie Cox? Is Ronnie Cox going to be, you know, the secret villain? And I see he's the president. Is the president the villain? Are they going for a big political statement that Captain America has to come back and bring back that 1940s, the greatest generation kind of morality to the white house or is it going to be Bogomil ronnie cox from beverly hills cop so it wasn't until the very end that i realized okay ronnie cox is a good guy i was really suspicious of him the whole time thanks to robocop
3: oh come on we just talked about what he's going to do the economy good guy is relative here <laughs> I really think that that's a populist feeling though at the time you would
1: want a president that was helping the environment conceptually all that doom saying about destroying our economy in the process nobody wants to hear that but I do think that you're won over quickly by this president because he cares about the environment I think that's the message in 1989 after a giant eco-disaster like Exxon Valdez, we'd want to hear that.
2: But then, yes, back to Sam in Canada and Captain America. Captain America thinks Sam's a Nazi, so he feigns car sickness.
3: Twice as smart.
2: (laughs) It's just so hysterical to me, because he pretends to be car sick, goes out, pretends he's heaving, and when Sam comes to see if he's okay, Captain America shuffles back to the car faster than poor Ned Beatty. And steals his car. Well, that's not too hard. No, it's not. He does not appear like a super soldier. It appears like some kind of weird senior citizen race.
1: I mean, small Pickens here. A desiccated Nazi, like Red Skull, and a fat Ned Beatty. I don't feel like the people that he's choosing to go after are really that tough here. I mean, he's kind of a wimp. I've given up on the superhero by this point.
2: I haven't. I'm actually, at this point really into this movie i hate to say it but i am i am really into it because it's following what little i know of the comic he started off in world war ii there was some kind of crash into some ice and he awakes years later and is a man at a time and goes to see his girlfriend who's now an old lady i've seen this story told for captain america in many different mediums and i'm dare i say enjoying seeing it told In live action, in this 1990 version, the performance of Salinger is a little off-putting. I do find him to be a bit too much of a dork and not enough of a soldier, but I'm really into it when he gets back to California. I'm like, wow, I expected this movie to be utter, utter crap, and I am enjoying myself. Wow. Enjoy is a strong word.
1: It's tolerable.
3: (laughs) I get what you're saying, Arnie. It is matching the comic book a little more. I want a better sense of that man out of time feel. I I thought it was neat when he's looking around and he sees the Japanese tape recorder and he's in a German car. and He's like, oh, obviously the Nazis won. But I want that back to the future moment where 1955, Doc Brown is learning about the future from Marty. And there's a bunch of great jokes there. Like, isn't that the moment you want? If you're going to do a man out of time story, you have to have those moments and you're just not getting them here.
1: There was one that made me laugh when he finally learns about VCRs and says they didn't have movies in little black boxes like this in my era. And I was like, yeah, you mean like the movie I'm watching that never was seen on the big screen? Yeah, you're destined to that little black box. I don't know. It's cutesy. I think the problem is this guy's got very little good comedic chops and the jokes aren't particularly sharp. But I think that this kind of moment is nice. If we had had some action at the beginning, this would feel like a nice respite from it. However, because this has been kind of perfunctory and kind of just happened all very quickly and easily, I'm still waiting for Captain to do something that seems
3: like more than just cheerleading. Oh, come on. He carjacked a fat old man. That's not heroic <laughs> enough for you? That's... <laughs> not quite. And left him behind to get shot up by the Nazis that found out that Captain America was in Canada as well. I feel like the budget
1: is really hampering the idea that they can even do action because the president gets kidnapped, right? They say 20 guys come, they take him away. That's got to be amazing battle, right? I mean, he'd have... Security. There'd have to be a shootout. Nope. They find this out at a commercial interruption for Wheel of Fortune. We spend more time in a hospital room with a secondary character nobody cares about. Bernie's second husband, the poor asshole that was unfortunate to marry her after 16 years of her waiting for the man she really liked. She's like, well, I needed to have children, so you're nice. Like, oof. Damn. And seriously, we spend more time with his recovery in a hospital than we do on the president being abducted.
2: Here's where all the cut scenes were, too, is when Cap America goes back to L.A. and reunites with Bernie. There's a scene of him going and visiting his old C.O. in a nursing home and finding out about Vietnam and finding out that the country isn't what he left. And then there's scenes of him going to Gold's Gym and working out.
3: (laughs) I want this. This sounds like the stuff
2: I wanted. And seeing Bernie's daughter is an aerobics instructor in a spandex leotard. And Bernie's still alive at this point. So it becomes really weird because Cap sees Bernie's daughter in a spandex leotard and then at the gym calls Bernie on the phone. How you doing? It, it's really weird scenes here.
1: <laughs> well, this is the Jerry Springer kind of like I was st- like no you did like <laughs> he quickly gets over the death of Bernie. Even though like it's been spanning decades of longing and the woman he's thinking about when he jumps out to do his one and only mission, you know, it's Bernie, but I got to say she gets gunned down. I didn't see one tear. I didn't see one tear <laughs> out of this guy.
3: Furthermore, maybe there's some scenes missing here, but Sharon, that's Bernie's daughter, right? Yes, played by the
2: same actress who plays Bernie in her young years and Bernie in her old years in really bad old age makeup
3: okay i didn't suspect it was the same actress so
1: props on her for pulling that off
3: i could tell the makeup was bad i just didn't expect it was the same actress yeah but by the way i could tell sharon was an aerobic instructor even without seeing those scenes i mean but when bernie and her husband are gunned down cap and sharon are watching tv are they at another house they're at sharon's house okay
2: and the cut scenes explain this it's because cap went and talked to his co. And then he wants to know about all these things that have happened in America. And the videotape they're watching is Martin Luther King's, like, a, a biopic on him and his I Have a Dream speech and all that. And then Cat's like, it's all true. Everything Sam told me was true.
3: I just thought it was weird that he was going out. You know, I guess, you know what, Bernie? It's nice to have known you're a little old. I'll go for your daughter now, Sharon. No, like, that felt
1: highly wrong. Yeah,
3: it, it just <laughs> seemed weird. That felt
1: incredibly wrong to suddenly like without even grieving mutually she's kissing him he's mucking it up with her i feel like hey your mom just died and he dated her 70 years ago back the hell off girl
2: (laughs) well i said i was enjoying the film up to this point and i have to say i was but this is where the movie falls apart for me because after this The whole thing is, we need to know what the Red Skull's real name is. And the rest of the movie is a search for his name. It's like Rumpelstiltskin, the superhero film.
1: Isn't there a more obvious through line here? Don't we just need to rescue the president? Red Skull, who cares? You want to say the president of the United States who's been kidnapped. You're Captain America. That's the mission. Not all of this, let's go to the old diner crap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Where there just happen to be people waiting to shoot you. (laughs)
1: because red skull has a hit woman daughter can we talk about that
3: well that's out of the comics the red skull does have a daughter named sin
1: and who the hell banged red skull
3: (laughs) who got that job (laughs) remember at least in the comics it was a mask so he could potentially be a good looking guy a young lady to father a child with in this movie. I don't know, Do they ever say who her mother is?
2: Well, he got the plastic surgery, you know? He wasn't so gross.
3: I was really confused by that, because, I don't know, maybe it was the cheap makeup. Half the time his face was turning really red, and the lines were deep, half the time it wasn't. I didn't know what was going on with this guy's face.
1: He is only marginally more attractive with that putty on his face <laughs> than when he looked like the dude from Hellraiser. You'd have to be into Lamont configurations. You'd have to want to crack open that box to get into his pants. You know what, though? I liked that makeup. I like the
2: Red Skull's red World War II-era makeup. And when we come to modern day... And he just looks like Bernie in old age makeup. I was disappointed. I liked the glossy red skull. I thought that was really well done makeup effects, especially for the time.
1: No, and all of the people that worked on the makeup, they're major players now. They have all, with money, have gone on to win awards and done stuff that we would all love. But yes, I agree. The red skull makeup is great, and I'm very disappointed. I kept waiting for the putty to be peeled off. I figured by the end, certainly, we got to rip off that fake face and see him as he naturally is. but they never even go back there. It must have been hell to put on. They must just not have had the time or the desire to go through that with the actor for the uh, extensive shooting that it would need to be done because we miss it.
2: Yeah, it was really disappointing that that's all we get of the Red Skull. You're right. At the end, it's the old trope that the person transforms at the end into something more monstrous and here yeah i wanted the red skull back i wanted it the whole movie honestly but at least at the very end but no we only get it at the beginning and that's a damn shame that the best scenes are at the very beginning and what's left is captain america traveling through rome looking for the scientist's diary he's trying to find the red skull's real name because the red skull can perform all these assassinations but not have a good non-diplume <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous And there's all these action scenes throughout, which are not exciting. There's the bicycle chase. There's a shootout at the cafe. And then I'm slapping my forehead when the reason they find the Red Skull, they find the tape recorder that was recording his piano concerto at the time he was kidnapped. Just so happens they were recording it all.
1: A recording device in 1936? Did they even exist? There were photographs and things. I mean, maybe his family was
2: extraordinarily wealthy. But the tape doesn't even reveal anything. The way they find out where the Red Skull is, is Valentina drops her purse, Sharon retrieves it, claiming it's her own, and what, they look at her driver's license and see her home address is a castle on an
3: island? I gotta say, I like Sharon. This third act, she's the toughest one out there. She's the one that's twice as smart. You know, she does some social engineering here to get the purse. She seems to at least be having fun being in this crazy adventure, unlike Captain America.
1: Like I said, I don't want to see these two get together and they start to sell this as a romantic coupling. And second of all, just because she spent a summer in Venice doesn't mean that she can translate an Italian woman's diary and like, she's doing everything. The problem is now she is Doing all the sleuthing. Everything gets done. Captain America is literally walking around the provincial Italian countryside speaking English, hoping someone can help him find Red Skull's (laughs) birthplace from 70 years before. So he's Captain Ugly American. Yeah, he really is. (laughs) And so they get Sharon in there to do everything that he can, which is everything
3: he can't even wear his damn outfit in this film
2: i was about to say captain america is not doing anything steve rogers is walking around italy
1: where's captain america in this movie well he did check the shield he pulls it out at some
3: point he has the shield i was wondering how he got that through customs like did they take a private plane to italy but this whole time it's him in a pair of slacks and a button-up shirt all
2: right but the suit looks for goddamn okay (laughs) i think They were scared of the ridiculous factor. In the 90s, you're trying to be a little more grim and gritty. Batman, you know, he wasn't wearing spandex. He was wearing body armor. Captain America, they had to save the suit for the money shots of the end where we wanted Red Skull. They put Cap in the red and blues. But yeah, for most of the movie, I mean, what does it even become when he's wearing the suit? It's not like a secret identity or anything. It becomes just like his uniform that he puts on for battle i I don't even know why
3: it's really weird because there's this moment where he's struggling do i put the suit back on do i take on the mantle of captain america it seemed like a really strange moment where he decided to put it on again because i never got that sense of struggle that he wanted to carry on that role
1: maybe he thought that he would burn up because it's flame retardant i don't know yeah there's (laughs) no fire i don't know if all the soup did was protect you from flames somebody should have had a flamethrower or something it's worthless it's costumery again we're getting back to the fact that this character is created to present an image not because it's a practical way to fight crime or nazis speaking of not practical (laughs) why do you put a thermonuclear device in a piano
3: (laughs) because what's more awesome than an explosive piano like i just kind of cracked up
1: (laughs)
2: oh is that what
3: was going on the piano was the bomb Yes, he pulled
2: it out behind the sheet music. I just thought that's where he hid the detonator. I didn't think the piano itself was the bomb. I just thought, like, he was practicing his concerto and kept the detonator close behind the sheet music. I literally just thought he had stashed it there like he was hiding it because there was a house showing.
1: First of all, how does he practice the piano? He had his arm
2: cut off. That never seems to bother him, does it? (laughs)
1: He even has
2: two hands
1: for most of the rest of the film. Well, I assumed one was a fake one.
3: Yeah, but it never, like, causes him problems pulling the trigger or kidnapping the president. It's not a hindrance.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I wanted, like, a Doctor Strange, Lovian-type fake arm thing going on.
1: Mm. I don't know what was going on, (laughs) but the whole climax of this movie at his Italian villa is, yeah, him with a bomb and a piano. Can I just say, though, I love the piano out on, like, the whatever the pier of the castle that that is a great image unprotected from the elements you're just gonna put the piano up there does it rain in rome maybe it doesn't rain (laughs) better hope of course it rains (laughs) i
2: just think that was gorgeous that was the one thing coming into this viewing i remembered was the piano on the roof of the castle it's like a painting a weird visual that i love
1: it just it's very david lynch it's surreal i mean you wouldn't it's it's
3: cerebral i think is the word you're looking for yes
1: Yes.
3: (laughs) what blows me away is during this final action scene captain america's running around with the president and you notice like the president's leading most of the time like you're going into gunfire you got a big old shield that blocks bullets let's send the unarmed president first that was silly is like
1: the president's gonna get in a fist fight they're tag-teaming. They want to show that he's really an equal. And quite honestly, the only difference between them is about 20 years and an ugly diving suit. I mean, I feel like there's not much more of, out of Steve that this president doesn't have. At this point, I wish he would just take over the whole movie. <laughs> it could be Air Force One instead of this lame-ass superhero story.
2: And then, yes, the Red Skull's about to detonate the bomb, but Captain America... Catches him off guard by playing the tape recorder. So Captain America can't defeat the Red Skull. He has to kill him with nostalgia.
1: (laughs) And this brings up a more crucial central problem. If this kid was taken and turned into what he is by Nazis, why is he still promoting a Nazi agenda? At this point, I don't think he's a Nazi
2: agenda. I think he's just a mercenary. He gets paid to kill presidents and Martin Luther King.
3: Paid by who? Whoever wants them dead.
2: General Fleming. That whole table was like, he goes, you are all world leaders, masters of corporations, military leaders. So all these people are like the Illuminati.
1: Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought that he was trying to bring back the Third Reich, or maybe that's just my perception of what the character should be doing. But it was very clear to me. Okay, so he was going to control the president, but I had no idea what he would do after that point. You know, all right, you put the microchip in him, and he can do whatever you say. He's what- going to save <laughs> jobs
3: is what he's going to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone cut down the trees and dump toxic waste in the sewer.
2: Hey, I just got a jobs report in my industry today. I'm for that.
3: I just don't understand how getting knocked into the ocean stops the bomb from going off. Like, did it short it out? Or is that just in a movie, if you fall down, that means you lose. Whatever your plans were, they stop right there.
1: From what I understood, I thought the bomb was going to go off and they just knock it off into the sea. So it's still going to blow up. It's just now underwater. I don't think they even knocked the
2: bomb
3: off. They just knocked the detonator. That wasn't the bomb. That was just a remote control. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, did the water just short it out so it doesn't blow up? I guess it's just better to move on.
2: More importantly, what happens to Valentina? Because the shield does its boomerang thing. She looks at Cap. Cap goes heads up. And then we hear a sound effect. Was she decapitated? That's what I took it to be. They don't show us anything. There's no blood. There's no impact. I don't know if she's knocked unconscious. I don't know if she
1: has a red skull now. I don't know if she has no head. But I don't think that it's good PR for America to go around decapitating Italians, even Italian hit women. I don't think he would look tough by taking out this chick. But yet he did. Yeah, off screen. Best to handle it off screen, you know. It's the
2: only person he defeats the whole movie is on the return trip the shield takes out Valentine. Yeah. Because the Red Skull, he had to play a tape because he kept throwing the shield to the Red Skull, the Red Skull could catch it or dodge it. Valentina is the only person Captain America truly defeats this whole movie. And it seems to be an afterthought. Yeah. But then yes, the president is reinstated, and we hear a newsreel saying he signs his law into action with the International Summit. So guys I think our next donation series is going to be really piss poor because we're in for that economic catastrophe.
1: But on the (laughs) plus side, the air is going to be pure. And think of all the spotted owls that are listening to us right now. This guy obviously meant it. I mean, it's in the credits. If you notice, if you stay through the whole credits, at the end, one of the last ones is please support the Environmental Protection Act of 1990. That's in the credits, which when I looked up made me laugh because it was a UK initiative. It's not even connected (laughs) to America. (laughs) It's (laughs) the This is Captain America promoting a parliament agenda.
2: (laughs) Jesus. Well, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Albert Pune's
3: 1990 Captain America? Jacob? This film has the opposite effect of Project Rebirth. Watching it makes me twice as stupid. I'm watching this film and I'm begging for the days of watching those two red brown Captain America films. I want to watch Cap paint pussycats and women on horses and fight motorcycle gangs on Venice Beach and cruise around in the shaggin' Wagon. This movie's painful. It's slow. It's got a lead. You know, you talk about something being dolphed. I don't know. We might have to change that to something being Matt Salinger. I guess it's not quite as catchy. This movie does have its moments. I like the World War II period piece stuff. That works relatively well. I like Sharon. I think this was supposed to be based on Sharon Carter from the comics, who's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and ran around with Nick Fury for some time and is the on-again, off-again girlfriend in Captain America. Like, I want a Sharon film. Based on what I see her doing this third act, she's got some charisma. But man, I was bored for most of this film and just not enjoying the performances. There's actually a line in here I I think sums it up well. If you're not careful, you'll end up with terrible lines. Well, no one in this movie was careful and they ended up with terrible lines. Not recommended.
2: And Stuart, you shouldn't frown so much with these movies. You will get frown lines here and here. So do you recommend... Captain America?
1: To the surprise of absolutely no one, I cannot go with this movie. But you know what? It's not as bad as it's made out to be. Or rather, it's disappointing to find out that it's bad not because it's so ridiculously awful, but because it panders, really, the children. It's just silly-ass entertainment that was not made for adults or even older teenagers i feel like if you have children they might be amused by this in a power rangers kind of way but it's really dull it's really slow there's not much funny bad about it i kind of like the idea of red skull i'm looking forward to seeing him in the real movie when we get to that in a few months i feel like he could be a cool villain but Ultimately, this is just Superman Five. This is it. If you weren't done with Superman after Quest for Peace and wanted some more cheap-ass superhero (laughs) adventures, this is the movie for you. The Quest for Clear Air. Yeah, exactly. It's the cross between Catcher of the Rye and Quest for Peace, and will probably only please the most undiscriminating. It's not the worst in the world. It's not... Nearly the worst that I've suffered through with Marvel. But yeah, I think even the Red Brown ones had more kitsch value to it. So, not recommend, pretty strong. And
2: I'm with you. When I went into this, I was honestly, my fork and knife were out. I was like, oh, we're going to have fun cutting into this one. It's going to be, I know who killed me level bad. It's going to be Howard the Duck level bad. And then I'm watching it and I'm like, no, it's got Ronnie Cox. It's got Ned Beatty. It's true to the comics. It's very abbreviated, very truncated, but I was kind of enjoying myself the first half, and I'm like, wow, all they have to do, all they have to do is pull off a generic either superhero or James Bond second half, and I'm going to give this film a recommend. Because the first half was slow, the action was a little bad, but I liked where it was going, and I liked the characterization. But once they killed Bernie... This movie went off the rails into some of that ludicrous territory, but not even funny, just kind of eye-rollingly stupid of repetitive, unexciting action and a silly ass MacGuffin of finding the Red Skull's name, which they never do. <laughs> At the end, I think Captain America shouts the Red Skull's real name. I don't know where he finds it. I've listened to it, like, five times.
1: They had the passport of the daughter, so they could probably extrapolate. Who knows? (laughs) I'm not going
3: to try. There's a cut scene where they go to City Hall and go through the records.
2: (laughs) Maybe it's in the 124-minute cut, because it wasn't in either of the cuts I watched. But yeah, it just became silly and dull and not even I could enjoy it in a bad way silly so the first half I thought wow could this eke by with a mild recommend no it gets a pretty strong not recommend for really just falling apart at the end and yeah they went back at the end and added more action to this end these were reshoots that because people were saying the film was too slow they're damn right this film was too slow but adding some scenes of Ronnie Cox punching out nameless guards did not help
1: I wonder why no one thought it was important to make the character himself, Captain America, more heroic. Because it seems like every creative decision was to make somebody else more dynamic. Was the idea that he does nothing and everyone else does around him? You're right. Is that social commentary? Maybe this is too cerebral for me to get, (laughs) but I didn't get it. I didn't get why Captain America couldn't punch someone. He couldn't even ride a bike! I can't get the lack of physicality in this characterization of him i mean rep brown for what he had to do and he didn't fight much more than him you believe he could at least take it on in this one i feel like maybe the model was splash maybe it was et maybe it was a joke that he was a fish out of water he's johnny five i don't know what it is but he's not a superhero and that's dumbfounding in a movie trying to launch a superhero franchise i don't know i kind of
2: liked how at the beginning i was again impressed because he does some of the comic book classic moves the shield throw and the shield bash where he's bashing people with the shield i I liked that stuff
1: i have to laugh at one point he uses a garbage pail lid to sub for his shield and i'm like well that's appropriate that kind of says it all really (laughs) they're trying to do captain america with a garbage pail lid
2: So I have to give this a not recommend. And uh, yeah, it's a strong not recommend. But you know what? This conversation, I am really looking forward to a couple months from now when we start building up to the Avengers and we get to try Captain America again.
1: I agree with that. I actually am looking forward to see a production with money that isn't made for TV that hopefully has a leading man who we've enjoyed in other movies. I like Chris Evans and Scott Pilgrim, I Fantastic I know, 4. He was the best thing about it. So, yeah, <laughs> I could definitely roll with that. I I have optimism. And I want to
2: clarify for the listener, Stuart, as the newbie, you have not seen Captain America with Chris Evans. You have
1: not seen that film, right? I have not. In fact, let me just put a fine point on it. At this point going forward, the only Marvel movies that I have seen are the first Ghost Rider, the Angley Hulk, and the two Iron Man movies. Everything else will be new to me. Nothing about these bad Captain America movies that we've covered has made me think, that they can't fix it in the new version and i'm hopeful but it's a long wait we got a couple more months here
2: yes we have some more avengers first next week we're probably going to have our strangest avengers film dr strange i don't know what this is he's the sorcerer supreme
3: (laughs) yeah it's it's og harry potter marvel style with a porn stash I don't know
1: what this is. All right. <laughs> Doctor Strange, you've got me. I honestly have no idea what I'm about to watch. All right. Well, we will be back with that next
2: week. So until then, Jacob Stewart, now playing host, disassemble.
3: Well, you watch your step, Fury. I had your pink slip before and I can do it again. The world's changed since you ran off to the wilds. Your particular brand of vigilanteism isn't going to cut it anymore. <laughs> Put up that
0: cigar! Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's The Avengers. Some assembly required. Not bad. You've got talent. It's what I had in mind for maybe the rest of my life. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week as we review another film featuring a Marvel Comics Avenger. I can't force you
2: to do this, but if you choose it of your own free will, then come to my
0: house. All the way through a weekend of release review of The Avengers this May. Let the world tremble this night. Our work has just begun. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners. What's in it for me? You get to live a little longer. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as Blade. X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four, as well as non-comic book-based series, including Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, Philip K. Dick, Tron, and many more.
3: I have things to show you. Powers beyond your comprehension.
0: Come. We also have individual movie reviews of films like Green Lantern, Avatar, Cowboys and Aliens, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Power is not to reason why. ours but to do and <laughs> die. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. From this moment on, I want to know about every idea
1: that you guys entertain from the moment it pops into your head!
0: Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. I see it as part of our debt to the community. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Even if you get the money, you're still going to release the virus, aren't you? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. Appreciate the vote of confidence, people. Let's pick a little something extra in your Christmas stockings this year, Now Playing's Avengers, Some Assembly Required, Retrospective series is edited by Arnie. No general expects to win every battle. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. I a mouthful when you try and wrap your tongue around it. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises. The Marvel characters and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated and no infringement is intended. Jam Captain America down their throats, and at the same time protect yourself. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of vinganza Media Incorporated. Now relax, kid. I'm just blowing smoke up here. Uh... Now Playing is a vinganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Get it? It's got it. Good. Get you on a rebound. Don't
3: you dare cut me off, you comic fucker!
2: Today we're discussing Captain
1: America again. I guess it would help if I had the cast list. Off. <laughs> I know. It's That's like, all I about it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Could we just release that as the show?
2: <laughs> so
1: Stuart yeah, Jacob, like... do you recommend? <laughs> all
2: right. Today we're discussing
1: Captain America. <laughs> I can point to moments where I, I had a Jerry Springer audience member moment once or twice.
2: A Jerry Springer audience member? So you're chanting Jerry, Jerry, or you're pulling up your shirt? I really don't know what that means.
1: You don't know what that means? No. It means I put both hands on my hips and said that he needs to check himself before he wrecks himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never heard that called a Jerry Springer audience <laughs> moment. <Neither have> I. <laughs> I think you made that up. Well, I did make it up, but I I thought that that was universal. I thought we all understood that that's how you act in an audience of a Jerry Springer show.
3: I haven't watched Jerry Springer in
2: like a (laughs) decade. 15 years here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here's a funny thing. Now Playing's opening music is a sound alike of Brick House. If you ever listen to the Now Playing's where I don't do special (laughs) credits...
3: More like Brickhouse? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> just, I that thought that was just some horrible, loop from iTunes.
2: Horrible <laughs> no. Brickhouse. It's a it's a rip off of Brickhouse. I got a CD of public domain ripoff songs that uh-huh. was Brickhouse. Okay.
1: They probably had a working relationship with Ned Beatty, given that Superman Four. I don't think he was in that one. They replaced
2: it with Lex Luthor's punk nephew. Yeah. Oh, you're right. John Cryer.
1: Oh, yeah, that was John Cryer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll re say that. It's the red, white, and blue and the patriotism. Or red, no, yellow, and blue. I mean. What's yellow? Oh, Superman. Yeah, Superman yeah.
2: has no white. Hmm.
1: Well, Close with Ronnie enough. Cox.